0: Welcome to Imagine This Podcast,
1: a conversation show where we talk to Milwaukee's arts, cultural and creative leaders to highlight all the incredible transformative work in our region.
2: We hope that after listening to the pod, you will see our region and all the awesome artists, arts organizations and creative assets in Milwaukee in a new way.
0: I'm David Lee.
2: I'm MacArthur Antigua. And I'm Lindsay Sheridan.
1: All right yet another edition of imagine this podcast i'm asserting myself as i was missing in the interview and so this is my subconscious saying establish yourself or else it'll be written off the show it's me processing my subconscious in real time hey everybody
2: hey, you're, back. Hey, you're back
1: i'm back i'm back uh you gotta, how that was a good interview y'all did last week
2: oh thanks yeah it was delightful to have molly on
1: What's a like so let's let's process this quickly. What's it like when you listen to episodes that you're not interviewing on? What's a like to do? <laughs> Me, um, I'm just imagining the future. I'm like, this is gonna be the future. See, at I'm some point usually, I'm not gonna be doing this podcast. That's what I think.
2: Sometimes about. I don't listen to them. Sometimes I don't, <laughs> I'm being honest. I hear a lot of your voices like yeah. eight hours a day. That's fair. Not literally, but yes. Yeah, that's fair that's via fair. via audio or teams chat so sometimes yeah. they don't listen if i'm being honest a break
1: yeah you need a break which
2: is not fair to our guests who i'm sure have offered great insights in any episodes i might not have listened to
1: <laughs> <laughs> i like that Lindsay's admitting like even she doesn't listen to the
0: podcast that's good
1: but that that makes our numbers pure but but, I mean, but I mean, look she at has
0: subscribed like i hope
2: yes i yes of
1: course have you I have.
0: rated have you rated and 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 shared because I think you to rate us to help. I think Lindsay's the one who better. sent that hate mail to us. <laughs> she, Lindsay's <laughs> the one who rated it. us three stars on on iTunes.
2: That's right. I made an anonymous email address and wrote to Pod at imagine with my hate mail. What
1: was amazing is that you you also did it as if it was like a ransom letter, and like every third letter was a th- like wingdings font. Which I'm like, that's a Lindsay touch. That's a very that's a very savvy. That
2: would actually be a good way to. Make myself totally anonymous because that's a very not Lindsay. No, wingdings.
1: You're you're yeah. very much, uh, uh, you know, Northwell yeah. alt and uh, North Proxima alt. Nova.
2: That's right.
1: I'm a I'm a Calibri. I'm a Calibri.
2: <laughs> you're a, pretty average. I'm a, pretty no, average. No,
1: whoa whoa, 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 No, I think it's very. I think it's very sh- assured and doesn't need the serif. It doesn't need a serif <laughs> to make its point.
2: Ooh, all right. So the next guest we have to find is someone who does know something about like font psychology. Yeah, that's a font psychology.
1: <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's got to be a PhD somewhere. Somebody's written that PhD. Yeah. I'm sure somebody oh, right. in,
0: the, in the graphic design world out here in oh. Milwaukee is listening to this and just cringing at, at our inability to, <laughs> to to name any other fonts outside of Comic Sans. Oh, TV I can read. name it. We should do a font off. No
1: cheating, right? Like we should do, not. We don't have to do it now. but not like, now. We're just, not now. We're just like riff. I'm like, name a font, and then like once you run out of font names, you're you're out of the loop. That's it. a good game.
0: That's a good game for yeah. For,
1: uh, riveting for- listening, riveting potting. That's a teaser. Everybody, stay tuned. We may have that. We may have. We have. We might have the Great American Font off. Stay tuned. That's that's a teaser. <laughs> a season five teaser. That's Great our American
2: next Netflix off. pitch.
1: Exactly, the Great American people standing in line and just going Garamond. Correct. Next. Papyrus. <laughs> yeah, correct. I <laughs> uh, like how um, Lindsay and I are suddenly wanting to play that game. <laughs> this okay. We have potting business going, uh, by the way, who we're actually oh. going to get to Oscar Harding in a bit, who is a, uh, British Irish filmmaker with Milwaukee connections, who has a film, uh, this weekend called life on the farm. That's, uh, showing at Milwaukee film fest. We're going to talk to him about that after the break, but before that, you're, you're knee deep in the banter. Hope you got the hip waders on your knee deep in the banter. Um, and so what we're going to banter about this time is the creative process, because this is an arts and culture and creativity podcast in Milwaukee. And you know, Lindsay, there's someone on our podcast right now that is currently immersed, not just in the creative process for the day job, but actually <laughs> off the clock, creating art for our city to, to engage in. Did you know, that? I've
2: heard a rumor of that. I've heard a might it be David?
1: Well, actually, that could be true about you since you're on a plethora of like music, musical ensembles. So, I am, like, but
2: we've talked about that. We talked this about now that. we get to talk about David.
1: David Lee has uh is performing at Sunstone Studios, which which is we're in that liminal space between recording
0: and airing. That's when it occurs. So By the right? time you all hear this, it'll yeah. have been over. It'll be over. So this is sort of the, the time travel portion of, of our of our podcast, right? Like yes, the
1: Schrodinger's box. Did yeah. it happen or not happen? We're in the middle of it. Am I the cat or are you the radioactive device? Anyway, so the, the point is you are in a, a series of new play readings at Sunstone Studios. Um, and among those plays is a play called Evolution of Sunday, uh, which is uh, written by uh, Justina Walford and directed by Tibba. I'm excited. Is that is that like F, is like is that like so, Tibba so, is like it's a real CZA person. Linetta Lynetta
0: Alexander is our director Thank in this. You. That was back in the that was in, in the other Schrodinger's box of uh before we knew that that was gonna be that was Tibba. That's right. McGee, as it were. <laughs>
1: Tibba, McGee, <Michi>, Alan Smithy. <laughs> uh, it's called The Evolution of Sunday. And uh well, it's part of this um new playwrights showcase, the twenty twenty-two new playwright showcase, and you'll be reading in it. Yeah, And just a quick pitch, angry and lost after a car accident leads to his wife's death. Kevin Bolger, a skeptic, appeals to Pastor Danielle McCann to find meaning, comfort, and guidance. Just as Kevin begins to come to terms with his loss and the end state of his marriage, Danielle shares a secret, which will turn his relationship inside out. The reason why I'm laughing and giggling, because I mentally was in processing, like, what's David's part? Like, I don't know what David's role is. <laughs> and I'm like, is David Kevin Bolger? Is David Pastor Danielle? And then the reason why I giggled, I was like, no, he's actually the guy driving the ice cream truck who just drives by and happens to be part of it. That's, that's the thing. It's an uncredited part. That's why I started to That's right. right. You're, you're like, it's a cameo. You're... That's right. It, so just is, this
2: a, cameo. is this a two-person play? Is this a two-person play and that's it? Yes. Yeah. 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 So you it's must be Kevin. Play.
0: It must be Kevin. That's right. Kevin Bulger. I am. Bulger? Bulger. Bul- Bulger. As okay, in Folgers. Okay. Um, Do you say that
1: in the play? Is that part of the introduction? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's Kevin Bulger,
0: Just like Folgers. Just like Folgers. I also sing the old jingle. It'll be fun. Oh, um, no wait what's the what's the old jungle gun
1: the, best, the, the part best part of waking up, of
0: waking up
1: is, is bulgers in your cup is bulgers in your cup <laughs> there it is and, and Lindsay actually drinking a cup of coffee on cue nice that's <laughs> nice. nice right Lindsay.
0: all right so so yeah, so David, you know, it's it's funny right because I, I i think i just got jealous of everybody else on our team having fun creative things to do um and so uh you know with lindsey and 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 all of the the orchestra she plays in and and, and choirs. And Sean Claire, which is like uh medieval
1: music, right? Or or classic music. Hipster, yeah. hipster music, hipster, hipster singers, Hipster, 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 singers. hipster religious. Yeah. Hipster. Like, you guys dress up like the polyphonic spree type stuff. Yeah. Is that is that the,
2: the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is like, wait I'm, what am I
1: doing what are we doing? We're talking wait, about Okay, you, I, we, we weren't gonna shots. we
2: weren't gonna talk about me, but listeners, you can come here, Sean Claire, this coming Friday, April 29th at Redeemer Lutheran Church. All Good right. plug. Back Good back plug. David. That's it. Back yeah. to
0: David. Good plug. Good plug. Good sponsor there. A good sponsor plug yeah so and, and obviously mac with with some of your your work recently uh with uh with the uh, comedy six-pack um started tinkering with the, the show that that um evolution of sunday written by justina walford um i had a uh, back when i was in los angeles uh justine and i worked together at a small theater company when i met her Evolution of Sunday was just uh, was an incomplete play. Uh, she had written almost three quarters of the way through it, and you know what happens when you're running a small theater company is you have to populate that company with shows or you lose money. Mm. And so um, we put the show up um, almost 20 years ago. Uh, it was well reviewed, well regarded. Uh, it was produced a few times, and she started adapting it into a uh, she adapted it into a screenplay. And mm. um, HBO Films was sort of like sniffing around it for a little bit um and never happened um and you know in the intervening 18 or 19 years the the show itself sort of you know we, we lost the script essentially and so sort of being inspired by you and lindsay and everybody else on our team with your own creative practice i started tinkering over the over the last few few months um in reconstructing the the play um as we had it back you know 18 years from ago memory so,
2: from memory from,
0: or... Yeah, from a, a existing draft of the screenplay, which is a much oh. bigger piece, oh, wow. um, with uh, with Something. a very very early draft. So um, it's sort of a, a a reconstruction of the play curated by by me and supervised by Justina, and now and now well, we're, we're doing a reading.
2: Well, sure, because when you first wrote it, it was on a typewriter, right? So you just right. had like <laughs> the, was, the one. It was copy.
0: actually <laughs> Lindsay. It was actually teletype. We were faxing pages back <laughs> yeah. back and forth. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my mind's like, wait, this isn't like y'all didn't make copies. Like we've had Xerox, we've had the technology for a long time, but it's, like it's lost have, to the world. We didn't
2: have like Google Drive, I guess.
0: We didn't have so, Google Drive. No, that's right. We didn't have yeah. Google Drive. And like people, I think we, you know, through different moves and like crash computers, just oh. just different email addresses. So you, you put it, you piece it together, right? They kind of yeah, like... That's and, right.
1: So And so in some ways it's supervised by Justina, ghostwritten by David Lee.
0: Yeah. Essentially. Oh, very cool. Essentially.
1: I mean, this version of it. Um, yeah, and
0: you. I mean, most of the updates are all sort of like time, right? Cultural references. There were like references to like Adam Sandler back in 2000, whereas now it's changed to somebody else. Oh. So like that sort of stuff has sort of been updated. But like the, the core the core drama is the same. Um, it's, it's a story about a man and a, and a pastor trying to like trying to resolve kind of like trauma together. Um, and as I was mentioning to, 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 the team, as we were sort of talking about this over the last few weeks, like it's really interesting to see as a, now a 46 year old, right? What the 25 year old David was thinking about. Um, and in some ways I was surprised at how consistent, um, the theme, th- thematically, uh, what, what happens in, in the play as to, as to like how, how, how I feel like I am as a, as a 46 year old.
2: Mm. Cool. i was not surprised
0: uh yeah <laughs> lindsay lindsay thinks i sort of popped out into the world as like a person who's like obsessed with dying i, I <laughs> think out. it's
2: probably formed. true yeah. Formed. yeah
0: yeah belief form so
1: that's but, performing two performances this week two performances that's right i'm um, gonna catch the saturday and show actually yeah so i'm gonna be the one in the corner with my you know hands over my mouth the beret in the corner mm. you
0: know. for, for those of you who don't know i mean this is for everybody all, uh, in our zoom room and, and also for our team the one of the fun updates to, to this to, to this show is you 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 get to learn the the beginnings of david's fascination with death sort of straight, oh, straight okay. from real life it's the beginning, it's the beginning. <laughs> the, the, straight from the beginning all right and well, a fun, like fun. a super fun, like uh, Milwaukee connection too is that you know once Sunstone Studio started promoting the 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 play, Kara Ogburn over at the Milwaukee Film Festival, uh, the artistic director of the Milwaukee of Milwaukee Film, actually emailed one of her colleagues at a um, at the uh, who does a film festival promotion out in Dallas and was like, "Hey, I saw this production of." Of a, of a play by your wife in Milwaukee. Are you guys going to be in Milwaukee? Um, so it just so happens that, you know, Justine is married to John Wildman, who does a lot of film festival PR. Um, he knows, they know Kara and Milwaukee film, given that they're in the in the world together. Justine actually runs the the, the, um, the Dallas International Film Festival. Wow. So it was just sort of this nice little, like closing of the loop of like somebody, people um, who I've known for the last 20 years, I was... Tammy and I were one of the, I think the two people at Justine and John's wedding, um, and so to sort of have this moment, right? Of they oh, they, had, they had a very two, very small wedding. Okay, like they had a tiny wedding, and so we were. That
1: we could have small. been you all went out for dinner, and by the way, we did. Was it, that's exactly what happened. On. They Master got married in,
0: in Griffith Park, and then we all went out to dinner. Like, and, and so just to sort of have I was to so many, of, you guys were actually at a Chi's and like the waiter rolls <laughs> up a
1: tableside guac, and then goes, "Oh, and by the way, you're married," and you're like, "Wait, that just happened?" Like, so.
0: It's just, So to have that kind of like close, to have that loop sort of closed and wow. sort of coming from Los Angeles and now we're all in you know Milwaukee and Dallas and to have sort of a, to have Kara kind of close that loop for us, especially on this weekend when the Milwaukee Film Festival is opening, it's just sort of a nice, a nice little like small world, small all world right. moment. Well, this is a stepping
1: stone for, it'll be, you know, off Broadway and then full Broadway and then we're going to yeah, take it right across the
0: street to the milwaukee rep chad we're coming for you <laughs> coming for the stackner cabaret that's it <laughs> what do you just like squatted just gorilla performed it? Yeah, like, right. it just, <laughs> right.
1: three in the morning on a saturday I just performed it, and you could just say well i was at the cabaret we, we did it well you
0: chad know? said he'd host he'd host stuff for us right so come on right like we just hosted this play <laughs> wow you were really testing that that invite <laughs> right on well
1: great C- congratulations already but Good luck in advance and catch because they were in that unique liminal space and time break a leg and congrats on this um and you also just real quick segue you named the milwaukee film festival is in the spring 2022 which is new right that's unique yeah thing. that's right. i'm
2: still adjusting
1: <laughs> yeah like wait it's not the fall like our, our bodies are sort of conditioned in the tune but i think what's really cool is that you know it's, it's probably because the pandemic right we, we didn't have it uh, for a while because of the pandemic in, in a way. So this is sort of a way to kind of reboot it. First but time also, in two
0: years, it, it's in person. Yeah, that's right. But also
1: does this tee up like the fall cultures and communities, right? Am I understanding this correctly? Yeah, There's right. another sort of festival, if you will, which is cultures and communities which really focuses on, if it makes sense, communities, you know, other communities in Milwaukee as well as, I believe, Black uh, Indigenous people of color, uh, creators and all that. So that's going to be happening in the fall. So really cool bookend. And so in some way, this kicks off festival season milwaukee gets to be out in front
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, yeah so uh we're, we're not going to do the rundown we'll, we'll save that for another one but any other thoughts on just sort of the return of uh the, the milwaukee film festival 2022 can't wait i'm so glad we ran this in the rundown i, I got can't wait and then lindsey's just staring blank
0: yeah can't wait this is awesome it was I, yeah. I think having uh, seeing some of the 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 initial social media uh, earlier this week or last week on uh, the opening um, festival and events that are coming up, it feels and I don't know it, like I I don't know if this is just my like my bias for like I'm tired of what's of these last two years, but like it really felt like things are getting back to normal and it's weird, right? Because we've had sporting events over the last year, we people have gone to things um but like this last weekend right like there were two thousand people at the alvin ailey performance at the at the marcus center um in the shadow of the the playoff game that mac was at at the Pfizer forum and then with all of the action happening with the film festival on the east side it really feels like we are out of whatever these last two years has been or at least at least at least it's tur had we turned a, a real corner
1: awesome you know you know what's around the corner lindsay and David? What Mac? <laughs> Our
2: guest. Uh-huh.
1: Our guest is Oscar Harding. Um, he's got a background in historical research and film journalism. Uh, he's a British-Irish uh, filmmaker, and he's had an international experience on a broad range of productions in a variety of roles, most notably the Academy Award nominated and BAFTA winning Phoebe. BAFTA is like their version of the Academy, right, in, in the UK. That's for my listeners there that aren't in our film. Uh, And then Biffa nominated The Darkest Universe and IFTA winning The Lonely Battle of Thomas Reed. Parentheses, I I don't know those acronyms, but they seem very important in terms of British and uh, UK film. Uh, A Life on the Farm is the new feature length directorial debut and it's produced through the production company Sonderbar Pictures, which he's co-founded with college friends, Dominic Platten and Edward Lomas. After the break, we welcome to the pod room, Oscar Harding. Welcome, Oscar, to the third floor here at No Studios. Thanks for having me. Um, it's, it's great to meet you. Um, is it welcome back to Milwaukee?
3: Um, it's... I don't know. Hey, how's it going? I've been here the last three years. It's, it's where I go home, so. so, okay. So it is, you call it this building. Yeah. Welcome uh, back
1: You call this home. Is it Milwaukee? This home? building. Yeah.
3: No, um, <laughs> no. This, is conference, this
1: conference room. You you have a cot in the corner. You <laughs> yeah. have a little
3: kitchenette. It's like an SRS. Rent Ren is getting hired. Um, no, I've lived here the last three years. Okay. I've lived here on and off since 2015. Okay. So. Yeah. Um,
1: so we, we like to start off with uh, a question we like all of our um, guests to answer because we're curious about origin stories. And so what is an arts or cultural experience that left a strong imprint on you? Could be formative or it could have been like, wow, a month ago, dot, dot, dot. So really wondering what, what's resonating with you or what is an experience that?
3: It's, it's funny. It's an experience that didn't resonate with me in the moment, but when uh-huh. thinking back. So uh, there was a, a theater troupe. In the UK, they're very famous called Theatre De Complicité, okay, which is run by Simon McBurney. Uh, oh. For listeners, this is the guy who's the head of MI6 in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Mm. Okay, no, yeah, I'm I'm gonna, sure. got thank you, yeah, thank
1: you, you for <laughs> translating for me too as well. Yeah, not everyone will immediately know <laughs> that.
3: Um But his theatre troupe <laughs> did uh, an extended preview of it's an adaptation of Mikhail Bulgakov's novel The Master and Margarita, oh. which I hadn't read at the time. I was a snotty little theater student um, and I just watched this thing and I thought this is obnoxious, pretentious trash. And it was sort of four hours. But then wow. as I left the production and ruminated on a few days, I realized this is probably the greatest experience culturally, artistic I've ever experienced in my wow. life. And I, I hold by that, read the book, might be my favorite book, easily top five at least. Wow um but yeah the more i think about that experience it was just stunning what they did and this was a preview in this you know it's a city called portsmouth which is yep. not anywhere big but um <laughs> they kind of like used that almost as their workshops so it was way too long and kind of flabby and they trimmed it down and uh. i think they toured the world with it eventually, but oh, wow. we saw kind of the raw uncut thing mm. and it was just stunning what they did.
1: So you went to that piece knowing, hey, this is Simon, this is right. this is supposed to be good work, but then you you watched it, and at the time you're like, what?
3: Couldn't stand <laughs> it, yeah.
1: Wow, and then it sort of stuck with you yeah. afterwards and you were chewing on it and, yeah. and just sort of literally. I
3: think it's like a lot with, uh, you know, I did theater class and we did uh, Harold Penn's The Birthday Party, pouring right. so sure. in it, I thought, I stand this piece. I hate it. The more I look back, Pins is a genius. I should have really enjoyed <laughs> being in that more.
0: I had a, a recent sort of experience. Uh, I saw um, everything everywhere all at once. I saw that the other night. It's amazing. Amazing, right? Yeah. Um, and I had a unique reaction to it. I loved it. I uh, loved it. I saw it. I loved it so much. I saw it twice in the movie theaters, uh, one week after another. Um, and I had this weird moment where I was like, if I had seen this as a 21-year-old aspiring filmmaker, I would have hated it because it basically took everything in my brain and in my heart and put it on the screen in the way that I would have wanted to do it. And I would have been so jealous of it, um, and I would have had this reflexive reaction of like, "I hate these people because they they did a thing that I wanted to do." I hate like, they're so talented. Yeah, they're so talented. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, right? And but but now as as an older person, I've sort of just been like isn't that great that like these people have done this thing and it's so like warm hearted and big hearted and and everything else i guess for the the question to you is did was it just the content that sort of stuck with you or or or, like how did you get from that place of like kind of like having that feeling of like i can't stand this to like oh my god this is like transformational for your for the for for the piece
3: i think theater is just a very different kind of medium to Mm. to, to films you're sitting in a dark room. Watching both play out, but there's that kind of detachment with a movie where you know, you know, there's a bunch of sets and a bunch yeah. of actors, you know, doing that at the time and they edited it so it's different. But when you're watching it happen live and someone can screw up or something can happen or if an actor can be put off by someone's cell phone ringing, I don't know, it kind of di- gives it that different thing. I've never been able to see as much live theater as I would have mm. liked, especially in the UK. It's tough out there for the art scene. So unless you oh. live in a major metropolitan right. area, yeah, there's theatre, but there's not a whole lot and if there's stuff it's usually amdram and it might be great, it might be awful. Oh. But where I lived as a kid, one of the oldest movie theaters in the world was five minutes down the street. Mm. So I would just go there and eat that stuff up uh-huh. on a weekly basis. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I have you know, have a little bit more of an appreciation for that than I think I did theatre. I mean, oh I can't remember the last time I saw Live Theatre. And I miss it. I wow. It's a really different kind of venue. Um, and you know, in high school, I directed a couple of plays and that was electrifying. So I'm not sort of a theater buff, but I
0: absolutely get why people love it. Right, right, mm. right. It's sort of the, 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 electricity of the live. Yeah. So how did you get into, I guess, into the film world, right? How'd you get into, mm. into that? Yeah.
3: Um, Ed, I'm one of those uh, insufferable people who since they were a kid, you know, boom, they knew this is what they wanted to oh, do. Wow. Uh, <laughs> vi- I vividly remember, I was four years old, I forget the movie theater, I was watching Lady and the Tramp. Uh, so apparently my mom said, you just stood up throughout the whole thing, just slacked George oh Starr. So you're kind of screwed by that, point, you're in for life. Um, but I really kind of got into the film industry broadly in about 2015, I was in college Um, I got contacted by some film producers who were working on a project that has never come out. It was in active development, went into turnaround. Mm. But I got on really well with them. They brought me on because of my uh, history background, my academic history background. Mm. I was a researcher for this historical feature. Oh wow! Then they brought me on for another, and then another. They then brought me on to help with the social media and the marketing distribution campaigns for this tiny little uh, Jordanian movie called Deep. Which, I mean, I say small, it won the Golden Lion at Venice, It's a big deal. But it's it's the little movie that could, so they had me running around to mosques and Islamic centers all around London, just doing a grassroots thing. The movie then went on to get nominated for an Academy Award. Mm. So it's at that I felt, okay, there is a legitimate avenue, this is not just a pipe dream that I've been dreaming of since I was a Ah. kid. And then that was around the time I set up a production company in college with my two partners who I still work with today. Wow. But imagine if you got connected to it like a really bad movie. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) I'm just like,
1: there's something about the prestige of a well-executed piece like that, and that brought you in. Well, just, yeah, mean, yeah, right? Like, would that have been the same if you were doing some Ryan Reynolds, like, rom com or something? Like, I don't know. If no it no it shade, that. Ryan Reynolds. I know you're a big listener. But I'm just
3: saying, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, there's something about. Well, I don't, I don't know this if there I had a great first experience. There's yeah. been some stinkers along the way. There's been okay, some interesting experiences. There have been some stinkers. Those. Okay. So it yeah, a, I had a great first experience uh, to, like, leap off with. <laughs> so when you mentioned, you know, BAFTA winning, Academy nominated. <laughs> Even though I didn't, you know, I had a tiny, tiny role. Yeah, yeah. People immediately pricked their ears up, which is right. great. Yeah. Um. So I'm very grateful to the people who brought me on for that opportunity. But what is
1: it about? And again, I I'm just sort of curious about this, right? These are uh, BAFTA winning, uh, Oscar winning. Now that you've been on different products, productions, and stuff, do you notice a difference when you're on uh, a piece that? is that resonates so well can you tell as you're making it like or is it just like no every time i do something we all think it's gonna win a bafta and then some (laughs) do, and some don't, or or i I don't know is there what do you notice in the production is there something about it that that
3: yeah so with the exception of my movie and some of the others that i've you know i've ended up producing the kind of bigger ones i've come on board with that train has already left the station Mm -hmm. i'm there after the fact it's played its festivals if it's got some hype and some goodwill behind it I, I, don't know, I like to think I've developed a sense of when it's really going to resonate. There was this tiny yeah. Irish documentary I worked on, uh, you know, won a bunch of awards for Irish stuff that your average person outside of Ireland wouldn't know. But <laughs> we kind of became this national conversation point for a week. It was wow. this kind of David and Goliath, you know, small man, funnily enough, another eccentric farmer. So right <laughs> that's bigger no, no. yeah. than big the uk that's, yeah. eccentric that's, that's, the big. that's yeah. big that's yeah. big that's catching um <laughs> but you know we had uh farmers on tractors driving in 50 mm. miles to a screening wow. in the middle of nowhere and that's at the point i thought the was amazing but it's this particular film this is something really special yeah because it's i'm i'm half irish and what's great in ireland compared to the uk is for all the faults and you know the different ends of the political spectrum you have government, You have consistent governments and a broad national culture that really values yeah. the arts. I mean, there's yeah. a bunch of um, Irish movies playing in the Milwaukee Film Festival, yeah. and they're funded by Screen Island, and you can tell that it comes from a country that really uh. cares about its arts, its literature, its theatre, its yeah. movies. There's incredible stuff being made in the UK, but one of the things we try to do with this movie, which is hyper-regional, is it doesn't get a lot of love. The conservative government we've had the last close to fourteen years now um, Uh, does not have any love for the arts. They slash the funding. Yeah, Um, you know, I I think there's a, I think there's an issue here as well. I mean, whatever, whatever end of the political spectrum one falls on, it seems like there's a lot of conservatives who will not support public funding for the arts, and yet, you know, yeah, you'll you'll get some people who will support just the most elitist stuff. It's that issue of. Making the arts inaccessible. So, if you know, if you're wealthy, if you're upper class, great. Sure. You can go and experience theatre. You can go and experience opera or Shakespeare, wow. which have been categorized as this very upper class, elitist thing to do. You're missing out on these really important voices. You're missing out yeah. on minority voices. You're missing out on regional voices. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. missing out on working class voices. Yeah. LGBTQIA voices. Yeah. Well, I think that's some. I, you said the
1: phrase like Ireland, like. They care about it. Where I think in the United States, I would say like there's a market for it. There's enough people that care about it, but it's independent of like a. And again, that probably speaks to the state of our country, <laughs> at least the United States of. There probably isn't a united sense, right? There's there's these sort of, and that's another podcast, you know, the the, the push and tension. But sure. but you're saying in Ireland, for example, there is a sense of this yeah. is we're trying to export our story. We're trying to tell the story. And to your point, the story of a agrarian, you know, person that that's not gonna. What is that, you know, what does that doesn't hit the four quadrants. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, oh, hey, what's on. their superpower? What Avenger are they? It's like, no, nah, you know, like, oh, well, good, luck. good luck. Get that on Hulu or something. It's, it's not going to be made. Well, I, I mean.
0: think, too, that the, there's, like, a, interestingly, right, I, I think for uh, folks who are Irish, there is, like, a real sense of cultural storytelling, right? Yeah. And, and that is a part of... That's part of the history. That's right. Whereas, yeah. whereas I think, in, in the UK, potentially, and even America, right, the, the sense of, like, a little bit more stiff upper lip. Let's just hold it together. Let's hold it in, right? It, which yeah. feels a little bit more, kind of, um, uh, uh, just not, not as vibrant, right? Not, not as yeah. sort of culturally um, rich. But I, I, you know, you brought up the the, the uh, screen island and 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 uh, and the public funding for the arts, at least in, yeah. in Ireland. You know, it occurred to me how many films in Ireland. In parts of the UK, actually get funded through uh, the film lottery, right the the public way the public uh, ways of of, of funding um, uh, funding uh, screen productions in uh, uh, abroad. Can you talk a little bit about how that works? Like, if I buy a ticket, or if I buy a lottery ticket, does it, a portion of that go into a film fund that then gets administered by government to to, to different production companies? Like, how does that work?
3: Yeah, you pretty much hit the <clears throat> nail on the head. Not all of it, but um, a lot of the, so the British Film Institute, the BFI Film Fund, it used to be under the last, uh, I say left wing, center left labor government, which is our equivalent yeah. of the Democrat yeah, party. Sure. Um, they had the, the, the film office. So you had a dedicated right. government organization for uh, film production, film distribution. Mm. Uh, the Conservative government shut that down and rolled it into the British Film Institute, who do an amazing job. But mm. when you've got to answer to a government who may not be as sort of culturally engaged, it's that little bit tricky. And there are some incredible small independent films that get made in the UK. Yeah. Let's get that very clear. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, if it's not a big Hollywood production, say you know all the big movies come to our studio facilities. The British have some of the best crews in the right. world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you wouldn't have Star Wars were it not for the right, UK, right? right. There's mm. that intrinsic thing. You have James right. Bond, obviously. Right. But um, yeah, the, the the British Film Institute is directly responsible for determining what gets made. And there are regional films, but they're not necessarily the easiest to sell. Um, you know, this is one of the things that we found. There wasn't as quite as much regional support hmm. in the UK. We actually had a tremendous amount of support in the US Two oh. of our producers who are major financiers in the project, uh, they're American. Yeah. So we've had a lot of enthusiastic response oh. here, just as much as in the UK, which surprised me. And there's a lot of Americans in this film who have become fans of the work of Charles Carson, our, our central subject. Mm. Let's get into it. Let's talk sure. about it, right?
1: Like a lot, that's a really good segue. You segue to you've been doing that, you've been doing the junket, haven't you? You've been talking to <laughs> it. It's been a few. Years, right? uh, yeah. 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 He's like talking to entertainment tonight right. already. And then I've a lot of it, right? I, I turned
3: <laughs> them down today to talk to you guys.
1: <laughs> uh tell us about a life on the farm, which which is already shown Sunday, April 24th, but will also show again Sunday, April 30th, here at the Milwaukee Film Festival, which was just kicked off. Um I know when we got the email pitch. You know, your, your publicity team has a really good, uh, or you guys have a good, it
0: was like, what, found footage, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Massacre, Massacre meets, meets Monty Python. Yeah, yeah and right. like, you, you got my it. attention. Yeah, no, that's. Right. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> We're like, sign us up.
1: Yeah, I'm, I wanna learn more. But um, it's obviously, it's more than that. So tell us, tell us about this. your debut film. Sure. Right, Oscar, tell us about that film.
3: Absolutely, so my grandfather passed away in 2006. He right. lived in a tiny little rural English village in the county of Somerset. Understandably, not a lot of listeners may know what that is, um, but if anyone's seen the movie Hot Fuzz. Yes, oh. yes,
1: yes, sorry. Yeah. I, I was gonna have to pause. Sure. Uh, David's laughing a lot because I shared with him an anecdote. This is, small, this is an aside. Maybe we'll bond over this. I, there's another family member not, that married in. I married into a family, and so I met another person who, who married into this family, right? And we, we saw a movie. And so I'm trying to get to know this person, so we all watched Hot Fuzz together. And, and as soon as the movie was done, she just looked at me and was like, I, I don't see what the big movie was. And I'm like, we're not family. Like, I didn't say it <laughs> out loud. I was like, are, are you kidding me? Like, my mind. So anyway, when you say Hot Fuzz, and David laughed at me when, he, when I told that story. So I think when you said Hot Fuzz, of all the movies you guys liked it, I'm like, I'm in. Like, that movie is amazing. <laughs> and so I know he took it
0: off. So, yeah, Somerset. Wait, I have, the have to ask. Fuzz, I have to ask. Have you ever laid on the ground shooting your gun in the air while I was screaming? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not
1: Sorry. Not Sorry, I'm We're a big fan of that about. trilogy. I'm a fan <laughs> of it. So that, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. that's nothing to the movie. You just are. You, okay, yeah. we put it you, aside. You, you hit, the, you hit the, the, <laughs> the secret code of the podcast. So <laughs> you, congratulations, <laughs> you
3: did. We did try to get. Edgar Wright. you try to get Edgar who Wright. He was very kind to get back to me, and yeah. he was an absolute gent, but yeah. understandably, <laughs> times didn't work out. It, he may just be, you know, the busiest guy in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. You shot but, your uh, shot. You shot your right. you make Because he, you make he, he is originally from, like, maybe roughly an hour's drive mm-hmm. from where our movie is set. Yeah. So, he was making his movies, his kind of amateur movies yeah. as a kid, around the same time mm. that our subject, Charles wow. Carson, was making his movies. Okay. So I thought it would be a great fit, yeah. but it didn't work out. But he's an absolute yeah. delight to make the time to get back <laughs> to me, which is great.
1: <laughs> so but it's that bucolic setting, right? That sort of area. All right.
3: So, right. Yeah, so, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully people kind of have an idea of where this is set, roughly. Or Straw Dogs. That's another yeah. good oh. indication. Yeah. This is nothing like strawberries. Yeah, that, that, that That's a dark movie. You that, bring the kids to this edgy. one. Yeah, Maybe not straw yeah. yeah. So my grandfather passed away in this area of uh, the UK, this county called Somerset, this tiny little village called Hewer Shampflower. about as English as you can. Yeah, I was going to say, that's Central Casting. I know. Uh, that was yeah. Central um, so when he died, my family and I went down to his house to clear out his possessions, and we found this videotape. Oh, so my, yeah. my dad and my aunts have this vague recollection of, oh yeah, some neighbor gave my granddad, this tape. They didn't really think much of it. So we sit down to watch it when I'm a kid. My kid sister's there, she's about four or five at the time, I'm around 10. And I have some very clear, but slightly hazy memories of this at the time, but my dad switched off the tape halfway through and he would never tell me why. So there's that little mystery going on in the back of my head, you know, Mm. times move on, you know, go to middle school, high school, we move house, lose the tape, that kind of thing. 2017 or 2018, I just casually bring out a conversation with an aunt She says, oh yeah, I've got a copy of that somewhere. Oh. So I sit down to Go watch on. this thing yeah. for the first time as an adult. And obviously when you're marketing a movie, you've got to hype it up, you yeah. exaggerate a little bit, yeah. but calling it Monty Python meets the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not hyperbole. <laughs> it, it genuinely is the <laughs> only the way I can line. describe That's this the stuff. Line. I sit there by myself watching this, this two hour roughly movie Uh, this home movie Charles had made called Life on the Farm. And you know, I I switched the DVD off at the end and I'm just absolutely speechless. All I know is other people have to see this Mm. somehow, some (laughs) way. And I don't know anything about this guy at this point. I have no context for him. So I sit down with my production partners and they have exactly the same reaction as I do. Mm. And we all think, first of all, we need to find out who this guy is, if we're going to figure out what to do with this thing. Yeah. So the more we find out about him and we speak to people who know him, the more of a portrait that is painted of this is extraordinary, gentle, caring, fiercely intelligent and creative guy, wow. mm. which completely changed how we looked at everything. I, I think huh. it's fair to say that one's first reaction when they see this with no context might be to laugh at it. Yeah. But the more that, you learn in the same way we did about the human being behind the camera. And the more you hear about why he was making things he made and the way he made them, you ultimately end up laughing with him. And everyone we'd shown this tape to, all these Americans, they had no cultural you know, touch point in sure. the same way we did, because you know, they're from Wisconsin, they're from LA, they're from New York, all of them got it. Mm. And there really is this universal thing to his work. Yeah, And the more we found out about him, the more it became very clear he wanted the biggest audience possible. And okay. I'm not giving too much away here, but yeah. he, would, uh, he would send every villager in the area a unique custom edit of this movie. So what? roughly two hours, but he would shoot footage with them knowing, obviously. Um, he would shoot footage of these villagers and he would insert it into their own custom edit of oh the wow. tape. So the tape we found is the custom edit he gave to my grandparents. Wow. Um, and the you know to do that for every villager, and you're editing on VHS, yeah. Betamax, yeah. this yeah. stuff isn't easy, yeah. especially if you're no. doing it in yeah. a, a rundown farmhouse yeah. in the 80s and 90s. Wow. He would submit his stuff off to national competitions. Uh, he would submit it to national TV. You don't do that if you don't want people to see the art that you're creating. Yeah. So at the start of this, we're wondering, well, is this meant to be seen? Is this some oddity that we shouldn't have come across? Do we have a right to huh. get this stuff out there? But then the more we learn about his story, the more it became obvious he wants people to see this, even right. back then. Wow. Um, and, you know, locals would say to us, look, if YouTube was a thing back then, he would have been, you know, That's vlogging. A, right. he would have been vlogging every day. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that. He wanted yeah, an yeah. audience.
0: So if you, so... So you so in 2017 you watch the tape as an or you watch the DVD as a, as an adult. How do you like go about finding out about this this person? Like, what's the process of like saying, "Hey, we need to like figure out how to make this a documentary." Like, how do you like piece that together? Like from just this, you know, almost of this curio it's that found that's item. That's yeah, sure.
3: So <clears throat> myself, and my partners, we have primarily done narrative stuff, and I love documentaries, but I never quite thought I had a story in that yeah. realm. Mm. And then this just, you know, happened to fall back into my lap. So we still, my uh, both my grandparents on my dad's side have passed away, but we still have friends and connections down in that, that area of Somerset. So, you know, we pack up the camera, myself, my two partners, Dom and Ed, we head down there and we just start talking to mm. locals, locals who would be close to my grandparents. My, my grandmother was the the, the district nurse. So everyone knew her particularly very, very well. That was the inn. Right. That's the trust, right. And then my grandfather was very, uh, you know, integrated into the local church as well, which features heavily in the Uh. film. So we had an inn, which is great. So it took a while to build up the the trust of the community who didn't know me too well, but knew my grandparents well, knew my dad kind of well. And that's kind of where it all started. And it became this, you know, this investigation to find more of these things and, you know, Follow Charles's trail up to the north of England, um, you know, to, to London, to Essex, to all these different places in the UK, charting what he did and when he did it. Mm. Mm. So it started out as like, oh, this is kind of a funny or this is a
1: fascinating film. And then it turned into just trying to understand what would it take, who is this person that would create this? And then pulling back the, you know, again, metaphorically pulling back the camera, having a, an appreciation for the context of the time, which, which you're saying, like, this is not 2022. It's not even 20, 2010, mm-hmm. where we've got cameras on our phones and it's sort of understood. He was really a creator at a time where, like, nobody was supposed to create unless you're, you work in the industry and you, you're you in the editing bays and, and, all, and you know how to do all that stuff. Yet he persisted. Yeah. And customize the story to even the people around him, so they would feel included in the story. That's what I'm mean. here. Like, yeah, but I'm gonna include you somehow. Right. He's his thing. own editor. He's <laughs> his
3: own distributor. He's you know performing and recording music to put into this mm. stuff. The guy's ah. a filmmaker. When, as yeah. you say, a lot of people weren't. You had camcorders, these giant things back then. So there's an element of democratization to filmmaking. Um, but it's yes. not quite hit yet in the way yeah. that everyone can make a movie now on the phones. Right. And I would. Not be surprised where he's still alive today, he'd be using, right. you know, he would have adapted, stuff. he yeah. probably would have adapted, right? right? Like, yeah, wow. and you know, the guy was an inventor, as I say, fiercely intelligent. He worked for 30 years at a lecture at one of the most prestigious agricolo- agricultural colleges oh. in the UK. Yeah. So, smart guy, he was inventing stuff. I believe at one point he was involved in the invention of some kind of apparatus that would help to weigh and categorize sheep. <laughs> <laughs> which is just another. It, it got Somebody got to do it, right? So there's yeah. A, yeah,
1: yeah. And it,
3: there was so many stories, not all of them made it into the final cut, which yeah. is such a shame. That's one I loved, <laughs> but we couldn't track down any graphics or a, a pattern for that. But he got mentioned in some Spanish language journal in Spain back in the seventies. Like he left a trail before, long before we had even shown mm. up. So, huh.
0: wow.
3: So, so, I, and again, it's. What I, what's landing on me is this notion
1: of the the uh, the multitudes people contain, right? Like like you said, this guy was known during his day job. He like said he's known in other ways, but he and he had a movie in him. Yeah, you know, at the same time, and not just a movie, the creation of the movie, all in one, and it sort of speaks to like, who knows how many more people are like this? You know, yeah, well, exactly. You know, this they, guy, you yeah. know
3: <laughs> I I think one of our I, I can't remember if it made this cut, but I think one of our interview subjects says there's a Charles Carson in every village in the Mm -hmm. world. And that's kind of one of the core points of this is, I think that same person, if I recall, said the kind of person who on first glance you might cross the street to avoid, (laughs) Which again, on first impression, sure, but that's one of the main points of this movie. If you know someone like that, it's very easy to laugh at them, to avoid them, to, to cross the street, to write them off. But take a moment to empathize and find their story. And you might learn something remarkable about them. It may change the way you look at the world. It certainly uh, did for myself and the uh, producer when we made this thing.
0: I guess, yeah, along those lines. In the process of making this film, I mean, obviously, other than getting to know him and potentially the the folks in the in the village and 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 the folks that were subjects of the film, what surprised you about thematically, right? That that sort of came out of your work through the reflection of his work yeah so the big thing when so when we started
3: making this and figuring out what to do we thought okay we're gonna do our documentary yeah. and initially it was a short documentary because it's a big endeavor to make a feature film True.
0: you better be damn sure you want to <laughs> yeah right? that's right you know, it's <laughs> <your> <laughs> you know oh you made yeah. a feature film yeah it oh. was not it was not uh, it was not easy yeah. it's never it's never, <laughs> it never but was that i'd be making it that's right we'd all be be, be, be charles (laughs) carlos
3: um but yeah much like charles we just kind of accidentally ended up making a feature which was not an easy decision to do but we found the more we found out about his story and we came across footage that we hadn't initially discovered on top of that we all just sat down went crap we're gonna have to make a feature film aren't we (laughs) i don't you know it, this is a tight 75 minute film yeah, okay. and I fought like hell to make sure this stayed as short because I really didn't think this was going to be able to maintain the yep. audience's attention. Yeah. But you know, we started with the four hour cut, knocked it down to two, knocked it down to wow. 90, got it down to 75. Um, so it's a, le- it's a pretty lean, mean film, yeah. but um, you know, with all this, we started off from a very different place to where we or ended end up. It, yeah. When we started making this, this is more about his life story. So, we started to attract attention from some American investors, one of which brought up this concept I was completely unaware of called death positivity. Mm. So again, I don't want to spoil it for people who might watch the movie, but there's some stuff that on first glance is incredibly morbid in the film until you start to realize why he was doing what he did with some of that initially, what seems morbid content, right? that subject matter. Uh, so we start to look into this concept of death positivity. Yeah. Mm. And we have uh, this wonderful mortician and poet called Thomas Lynch. We we interviewed him in his home in Michigan, who was the creative inspiration uh, behind Six Feet Under. Wow. So for example, one thing about making this movie that affected me was I was always of the opinion I would be cremated, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the more I spoke to Thomas and spent time with him and you know, look at his works and that kind of thing, I've kind of veered more towards the idea of being buried, huh. so that's just one example. And yeah. I'm not the only one on the crew who has had their minds changed. He, yeah. he had, a, I think it was a PBS documentary made about him a few years ago. Oh. So you know, the more we learned about uh, Thomas and his work, uh, he's not a fan of the term death positivity, <laughs> um, but you know, it's the easiest way to describe yeah. Yeah. this this attitude towards death which doesn't just see it as an end, right? Yeah, Charles yeah. is a farmer, and I'm sure if there's any farmers listening, you're yeah. used to life and death. You, right, you're, yeah. you're, you're slaughtering animals every day for feed. Oh. There's, you know, the the farm cat, the farm dog will, will die, and there's not too much sentimentality about it. Yeah. That's just life. So if family members pass away, if you have animals that pass away, it's just part of life. Yeah. So that was an attitude that Charles absolutely had, and wow. just, you know, he's respectful, but he treats it as a matter of fact. Yeah.
0: Is, is, would it be too much of a spoiler to ask what changed your mind about the, the cremation and being buried?
3: Well, it was speaking to Thomas Lynch as opposed to what I saw in the film. Yeah. But the more that, what was interesting, almost more than speaking to the locals who knew Charles well, which we need for the story, um, is speaking to the people who didn't know him and are looking at him from a modern day perspective. Mm. Ah. So something mm. that becomes very apparent when you watch the movie, and we found when we were looking into his life, he really was ahead of his time. Yeah. In terms of his attitudes to death, how he approaches it, I think in general, our attitudes towards death have changed. I think in general, we are more death positive. We don't mm-hmm. necessarily see it as this this dour, conservative affair. You know, people like to celebrate a life now rather than just yep. mourn someone's loss. So mm-hmm. in that way, I think he absolutely was ahead of his time. And just yeah. the more I found out about this guy, the more I admired him. And not just his work, but who he was as a person. Mm. He, he left his academic career to return to the family farm to look after his, his father had cancer. His mother was in a wheelchair. Um, and his brother, not bedridden, but I, I think he was very ill as well. So he gives up this this passion he has in academics and inspiring generations of young farmers to mm. go back home. And an element of the movie, we really look into is rural mental health. We have a psychologist oh, wow. who specializes in that. So again, we learned more about the struggles of farmers in isolation. Yeah. Um, and Charles was uh, a frustrated creative. So mm. through his yeah. cousin, yeah. he yeah. discovered, oh, camcorders and movie making. <laughs> so th- these movies became an outlet yeah. for him to you know vent his frustration yeah. his isolation the yeah. pressure of caring for the whole family as well as running the family farm wow
1: oh, wow. wow it wasn't therapy but it's therapeutic right. right i think uh, that's a good way to look at it yeah, yeah, right but yeah. and in healing right another example of yeah. just art as a practice is healing it was his healing yeah. taking on these and this is the kind
3: things. of stuff that you don't initially ca- when you first yeah. see this footage <laughs> yeah, you're, You yeah <laughs> that's, that's not, first that's yeah. not jumping <laughs> out the page yeah right um, but yeah, I, I'm just hoping that the way we've structured this movie, people could go on the same journey mm. that we did mm. in you know, having your mind changed about yeah. certain things like yeah. that and judging these people who you write off as an eccentric if you don't get to know them. Yeah, There'll be uh, Charles Carson here somewhere in Milwaukee who's completely overlooked, yeah. for example.
1: You know, Oscar was striking me, uh, which, which I think it's so, it's so fascinating to me. We're in a time where... Uh, Collectively, we're, we make quick things and cancel people, right? And and move and and make judgments, and and yet at the same time, the duality is empathy, right? The <laughs> the complexity for people, and they're not finished. I'm not talking about Will Smith either. Yeah. I'm just talking about in general, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And it sounds like your piece is an invitation to practice that muscle of like, what's it like to really. Taking a story and of course movies have always done that but there is something unique about this offering which really invites them like this is somebody you normally would like rush your eye, you know i don't look at this guy in the face right um but you're actually showing over the course of this film like this is a life lived in, yeah. and what's that about and i think that, i think just in, in our current times a very fascinating invitation to, right to, and to i do.
3: i think we'd all be kidding ourselves if we try and pretend that we don't have that initial yeah you know, just that that reactionary yeah. outburst, right? Yeah. We judge people right. immediately. Yeah. We have that first impression. Everyone does. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't feel there's any shame in it. Yeah. What is a shame is if you don't take a step back to really consider and be intelligent in evaluating that person or that event. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right.
0: So so if I if I'm doing my math right, you produced this movie over the pandemic. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so <laughs> what was that like
3: <laughs> in a word not fun at all uh that's it's, hard already. I at. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard already yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, I put it over the pen. right so uh you know we rediscovered this tape 2017 2018 yeah figured out what the hell to do with this extraordinary piece of footage so we enter pre-production 2018 we start shooting very early 2019 i get a job offer at uh, uwm in the summer of 2019 i fly out here i say to my partners look we've Shot some of it. Uh, I'll come back in the summer once you know things have wrapped up in the <laughs> summer season. We'll finish this thing summer twenty twenty. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Best laid plans. And then yeah, I, I know. I think something came up like a great plan. It, yeah, yeah That's something or right. other. But on. so we realized. Well, at that point, we decided to attract some investment. And understandably, mm. when there's money behind this, you want to keep the momentum going, and people want this damn thing made. So I'm stuck here. They're stuck in the UK. Dom and I have my two partners, and we just realized. Well, look. We can't let this grind to a hole. Who knows how mm. long this thing's going to go yeah. on for? So, you've got me shooting in the northwards of Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, in uh, roughly near the UP, in Chicago. Yeah. We're outsourcing crew in New York and LA. Wow! And then my two partners, Dominic, they're shooting in. All kinds of different parts of the UK. We outsource a crew in Belfast as well, and I'm kind of directing a lot of this over Zoom. Oh wow! And I'm not present on set for half the movie, which is not a fun way to do it. Yeah. The only reason it worked is because of just this innate trust that the three of us have these, these partners. That's the only way it worked, and we also had damn good crews, who you know none of us were present for. So yeah. You know, I, I'm interviewing people over FaceTime in LA and trying to direct over FaceTime while they're in LA. Mm. Wow. It's a horrible way to do it. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow! We, we wrapped 5 a.m. in the morning. I was in, uh, I was in Georgia at the time. It's 5 a.m. in Georgia. Uh, I'm horribly hungover, and we tried to wrap an interview. It had taken us two years to get. Wow. So you're meant to be on top of your game, and I just want to die. <laughs> 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 I crawl back into bed at 5 a.m., but that's how we wrap production. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's an extraordinary way to make it, yeah. and I hope I never have to make a film that way again. <laughs> You've realized the boundary that you can push, right? right? And, and yeah, and, uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, we yeah. never intended for this to be some international behemoth. It just so happened when I was here and this before COVID, right. yeah. we're wondering, well, what can I do? So we have found footage, and we're in. Uh, I'm in the U.S. and I'm wondering, well, there's plenty of people out here who make a, a living. Looking into this stuff, mm. so finding out about uh, footage like this and showing it to audiences, and it just so happened a bunch of these different uh, comedians were in town. Oh. Uh, so actually, one of the interviews we shot, we shot during the 2019 Milwaukee Film Festival. Mm. Okay. So you know, this movie is part of the Cream City Cinema program, and oh. if anyone's watching this, we're the only. Uh, if anyone's looking at the program, we're the only Cream City movie that has United Kingdom as the production company. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's about an English farmer, so I can only imagine people are very confused. Yeah. What is this doing in the local Milwaukee thing? Well,
0: the, when, yeah. when, when the email came in, that was sort of our question. We were like, hey, what's the Milwaukee connection here? It's I been hard to I, sell I, this yeah. locally,
3: put it that way. But yeah, this movie is innately tied to Milwaukee. Yeah. This whole thing was edited by an incredible editor here in Milwaukee. Wow. Mm. There's a lot of UWM alum who helped shoot the movie in, yeah. in the UP and Chicago and Wisconsin.
0: One of the things that we're working on here at Imagine is um, sort of creating a little bit more of a, a public support, whether it's uh, whether it's through funds, tax credits, incentives, something to sort of inspire the the building of a, of a stronger film industry here in town, right? Because I, I think we believe that we, I know we believe that that with all the assets we have here, with a regionally important film festival, with a top ten film school, with my ad with folks like you with all the you know people in this building um there's just an incredible opportunity to sort of build a stronger film industry here um as somebody now who has worked in the film industry here in milwaukee you know producing a an international film with local crew what's it like being what's the experience like being a filmmaker here in our city
3: well, the whole time I've been here, it's solely been working on this project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so apart from that initial bit of filming we did here in the Midwest in Wisconsin, you know, my, my mind is across the pond. It's mm. over yeah. the Atlantic. But, you know, in the years I had been here before moving here permanently, you, you really kind of noticed there was a lot of momentum building. You've got incredible people like, uh, just off the top of my head, John Ridley, Suzanne Jover, yeah. who were really making mm-hmm. inroads to build this industry up. I don't know. I assume it's gone into turnaround since COVID. We almost had that big musical uh, TV oh, yeah. show, yeah, yeah the genre, yeah, the right. Really it was going to be a big deal, and then COVID happens, and I think it's just credit to the remarkable craves you have here, you know, especially a Milwaukee film, who have just managed to build things back up. And it's going to be a long road, but you know, it, it's tricky when you have uh, everything happening in Chicago. You have yeah. very generous tax credits. You have this huge production village. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. I think Milwaukee's doing a great job. We all got, you know, set back by the pandemic. Um and I think, you know, it's really encouraging how things are building back up. But to do that you need political support as well as local support. Yeah, right. Uh which kind is, back uh, to
1: full circle, you need a government that's right, gonna invest, exactly, you know, yeah. in yeah in
3: this and it's it, you know, it's especially in Ireland, I think one of the reasons they're so smart for understanding the value of the arts is its soft power, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, the Irish hold a tremendous amount of soft power. We have uh, an American president of Irish descent <laughs> in the White yeah. House for, yeah. for now, for example. Um, <coughs> uh, yeah, uh, kind of lost my try of thought there. Um, arts being power. soft power. Yeah, yeah, Ireland's right. So Ireland appreciates the value of soft power. Britain used to, and then conservative governments in the UK yeah. don't seem as concerned with our soft power, uh, yeah. which is why they decided to completely ties to Europe right free well, they, yeah, yeah, like, there is that proud. yeah there is that right proud. exactly but um, i think right
1: under blair that cool britannia concept right of, exactly. of like knowing that there's of soft export. power at its yeah. peak
3: yeah, yeah you know james bond harry potter all yeah. this yeah. stuff it makes a con- a small country seem bigger than it is yeah Back to New Zealand, right? Exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. Lord of the Rings, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Completely changes what out of the think concords. Of, yeah. All that's yeah.
1: For, for right. What right. Punching like way above it. its weight in terms. Yeah, of yeah. exactly.
3: Uh, and all credit to how New Zealand is yeah. film industry has done that. So yeah. this is one of the reasons I, I love living in the Midwest. One of my favorite movies, even before I moved here, is a documentary called American Movie. Oh sure, yeah, right, yeah. Which yeah. I'm sure a lot of locals <laughs> will know. It.
0: Yeah.
3: I adore that, and it's about a Midwest character, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the problems is you get this tremendous cluster of talent in the Midwest, in Wisconsin, in Illinois, um, Michigan, Minnesota, for example, and they all move to either one of the coasts. And you're bringing that wonderful sensibility to the coast where it can get watered down, where it can get lost up in their sensibilities. California, York, they have their own style and their own sensibilities. Um, And for good reason, they leave the Midwest. It makes complete sense, but we're missing out on Midwestern stories told with a Midwestern voice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, when I think Midwestern stories the Western Midwestern voice, I think of Oscar Harding's voice. I think hey, that's it's the ultimate. Kind. Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate. I think he made this compelling case that we need Midwestern voice. I'm like, yeah, we do. <laughs> Gentleman from Portsmouth. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally I think it's something when he's like advocating, he's like, come on, Midwest, we gotta get it together. (laughs) I've always found that I think think Americans really, that's why like Simon Cowell, like that's why all of our reality judges are British, because there's some sort of, there's there's some sort of authority. No, there's no, there's an authority there. It's like, it must be important because... We got, you know, we can't even have like soccer games <laughs> called by Americans. We need, we need John Champion, yeah. the college games. We well, so uh, make a
3: really good point. Uh, <laughs> you know, we talk about software and we look at cultural exports and this is no yeah. shade to those productions. But yeah. one of the things that we're hoping this movie does, and it's a small movie for sure. Yeah. But, you know, this is a, this is a part of the world. I doubt anyone who attends uh, the screenings in Milwaukee. Would ever have yeah. heard of, let alone thought of? Maybe yeah. you know, unless they've watched Hot Fuzz, right? When you <laughs> think of Britain, you think of Harry Potter, you think of yeah. Downton Abbey, you yeah. think of the Richard right. Curtis rom-coms. I mean, sure. Notting Hill, right? Southern parts of London, right? Love, <laughs> like, love Actually, Love you Actually, to Wisconsin, yeah, right, yeah. and just Denise Richards happens to <laughs> fall in love with this guy <laughs> in a bar and walk. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you have that specific image. In the same yeah. way that you know, there is a negative. Stereotype of America. It's oh. funny. What one of the earliest stereotypes I learned about yeah. America when I was back home before I'd come here. Yeah, uh, you all love to sue each other. That was the main. That's still true. That's right. still so true. That's before that's guns, a... before cowboys, <laughs> before cheeseburgers, <laughs> it was everyone sues each other. <laughs> so every country has that stereotype yeah, far afield so they don't think yeah. of, right? Yeah. And there's these. You know, these deeply intelligent and moving pieces of, you know, regional filmmaking, for example, yeah. that just won't get to the UK. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way that these kind of regional things in the UK, they won't get here. Everyone thinks of um, Downton Abbey. Of course, that, that's the irony. The the main butler in Downton Abbey is also called Charles Carson. Right. <laughs> oh, that's right, Carson. That's, <laughs> summer, yeah. that's, that's right. awesome.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. some are Julian fellows. Yeah. Yeah. We, just, we just put more money <laughs> in his right. pocket. We just See, just, side note, I think like the Gilded Age is on, and I was like yeah. watching a little bit of it. and I'm like,
0: yeah, this guy just has yeah. a formula. This guy
1: just has a formula. He's right. like, run it back. Just run the. It's the Shondaland formula. I yeah, mean, it's the Chandelier. Yeah. If you got a thing, yeah, just do it. Some just content platforms like, hey, can it. you do yeah. that thing just with different right. actors?
3: Hopefully we can pay them cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Brid- Bridgerton's another good example. Yeah. Oh, my! well, yeah. Chandelier, right? Yeah. rises. Yeah. right, me. exactly. So you have an American doing the most popular British yeah. period. <laughs> uh. I bet they love it over there. They're like, what's that? So, what's going on?
1: Yeah. Uh, man, Oscar, we're just so grateful for, for this conversation. Uh, grateful that you created this story. And uh, before you go, uh, Dave and I have this unique power, speaking of the Avengers. We, unfortunately, we, we don't have, like, Spider-Man powers or, like, powers we, we can only make our guests the czar of arts and culture uh, it's a pretty good superpower yeah. it's a pretty. It's not bad but the thing is it only lasts for another two minutes so you gotta act fast we're <laughs> giving you that power oscar yeah. i might have a hint that you've been talking some policy possibilities yeah. so i think i know where this is going but i'm ready to be surprised what is the first policy that you need to pass as the czar yeah i mean you kind
3: of hit the nail on the head <laughs> i mean uh i would absolutely improve whatever our, our film production tax credit policy is yeah mm. Very, very exciting, sexy answer yeah. <laughs> to talk about uh, legislation. Well, you know, when uh, you
0: think about like the fact that Illinois did like six hundred million dollars worth of business I- on their on their film tax credit last year, and and just can't make any more movies, and spawned a whole like. Television subgenre of Chicago TV shows: Chicago, Chicago Men, Chicago Fire, Fire. Yeah. Law. Every single thing, every single like potential like job opportunity in Chicago as a TV Chicago show. <laughs> Chicago Veterinarian.
3: It's such a boost to the economy. It's, yeah. it's incredible boost. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I think that's that that has been an interesting thing in some of our conversations with people in that like they have a hard time understanding that you know Chicago is doing all of these productions and there's there there are surplus productions that Chicago just can't take. And so they're sending them to Ohio. They're sending them to Georgia. They're sending them to places that have- Minnesota, Minnesota or Louisiana. You go two
3: hours north than yeah.
0: you're here. That's right. Yeah. Or that's right, 70 miles north, right? right. And you just get right here and like, but because we don't have any of those incentives, it's just, it makes it really hard for when, when, when these production companies, as you know, are just doing math, right? They're just like, the math works better at these other places,
3: and we've got the capacity, and we've got the talent. You think it'd be a no-brainer to bring more money into the local economy? right
1: yeah. And again, it's it's for those listening. It's not just the the crews working on it. It's it's food, it's the hotels that you got to house people. It's all these things, right? All this tra- all this economic traffic yeah. running through yeah. that we're missing out south, north, and west of us. That's until, right. Until until we get the sequel. We're gonna, get, we're gonna get Life on the Farm too, because
0: everything <laughs> everything sequels out. The 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 uh, the, the story that, that always like gets people is when I uh, share with them. You'd mentioned the, the Milwaukee musical, the John Ridley project. I don't know if it's in turnaround or, turnaround or not, but um, the they were gonna shoot that in Detroit. Hmm. So just think about that for a second. The the a a homegrown Oscar-winning screenwriters TV show on Showtime. About Milwaukee, called Milwaukee, was going to be shot in Detroit. Ugh. And Detroit also has no film tax and credit, no, no film incentives either. So, interesting question. And all credit goes <laughs> to John.
3: The, the years I've been living here, this is someone who's done tremendously well for himself, could easily keep doing what he's doing in LA. And he comes back home and he tries yeah. to build up this city. Yeah. And we're literally in it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, in in it. we're literally yeah, in a room right. that he's
1: helped build. Um, Oscar how can they find uh you obviously you're showing this here are there other festivals that you're showing or how how can they keep up with you and the and the other product,
3: productions and pieces sure so we are uh we're playing the calgary underground film festival in canada if anyone happens to be out that way <laughs> uh in the same week that we're screening in milwaukee um I, I can't say anything in the minute but we have got a few more international oh. premieres secured for the film which is great we're very happy about that cool uh in terms of social so you can find us on facebook ALOTF doc Love all the different usernames. <laughs> Twitter, it is just at a life on the farm or one word. And then uh, Instagram, it's uh, my production company's name, Sonderbar Picks. So that's S-O-N-D-E-R-B-A-R-P-I-C-S. Awesome. So oh. if you can take the time to spell that out, we'd love to have <laughs> you You earn it. We will yeah. link it we'll
0: in the show notes. notes, yeah. Thank you.
1: Astrid, um, thanks for doing, you know, not just your craft, but also doing your craft here. And, and uh, you know, I know as a result of this conversation, I'm really looking forward to see this movie. Oh, thanks. I'm looking forward to seeing it at the screening. <laughs> Thanks, Oscar.
0: Man, that was fun. Super fun. We could have talked for a lot longer. We probably could have. Because he was just a yeah, very charming
1: and very uh, thoughtful person. Who, I mean, just I really resonated how he came to that story. I, I think there's a level of
0: curiosity and, and joy, and just kind of yeah. like you
1: started this one place and you, you pull the thread.
0: Yeah. Or do you, where does it take you? Well, that's that. Yeah. That's the sign of a of a of a good filmmaker, right? Is you yeah. sort of are you sort of have a, a kernel for an idea, or you get struck by something, you just keep pulling just yeah. keep pulling that thread.
1: I, I just want to say it was really cool. I I generally am want to see this movie and you know me David, I don't watch movies. But I, I love well I'll say I love documentaries. So I'm really looking forward to this documentary yeah. and and I was really um I was really struck by just the thoughtfulness and the the curiosity which to your point, I think a lot of good films are rooted in that. Yeah. So
0: I I think the, the the thing that 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 really struck me too is sort of the having how through this process of making this movie he and members of his crew and, and producing partners sort of had their minds changed about something very fundamental right about like mm-hmm. what do you want to do with with the rest of your with yourself after after you shuffle off this mortal coil mm.
1: uh, but I'm really grateful uh, and again Milwaukee Film Festival for those uh, not in the notes just started and this is part of the many awesome offerings that are being offered over the next uh, I was gonna say several weeks.
0: Okay. Two and a half weeks. Two and a half, three weeks. A fortnight plus. Yep.
1: You know, David, you know who else is uh, pretty brilliant? Who, Mac? Our amazing listeners. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to help support the pod, share it around with others. Don't keep it a secret. Post about it on social. Leave a rating and review if you're listening on the Apple platform. Or contact us directly. Keep the email coming at pod at imaginemke.org.
0: Imagine This Podcast is a team effort produced, edited, and hosted by MacArthur, Antigua, David Lee, Lindsay Sheridan, and Elizabeth Gasparca. Hey. is the flagship of the Imagine MKE Podcast Network. Make sure you also listen to Black Imagination and Arts Forward MKE, all of which can be found at imaginemke.org slash podcasts.
1: The opening theme was created by Bobby D, Bobby Drake. Thank you, Bobby. Um, and to catch all the latest from Imagine MKE, hit us up at Twitter and Instagram at imagine underscore MKE or Facebook. Go to Imagine MKE or go to Imagine
0: MKE dot ORG and sign up for the amplifier and you get David Lee in your email inbox every Every other week. Thanks again. And we will catch you next Tuesday when for real this time, Rowan Garnett, the director of idea at the Milwaukee Public Museum, joins us. See you then. Bye. Yeah. Pulling that thread. And
1: then. You end up with uh, Fantastic Beasts three. <laughs> is that how they came up with that movie?
0: <laughs> Wait, your girls haven't haven't forced you to take take them to, to my Dumbledore? my youngest went
1: without me to see Fantastic Beasts.
0: I, good, I think.
1: Yeah, she was like, and it's funny. My youngest is like, I don't even like Harry Potter. I just want my friend. I love my friend, so
0: I'm supporting. She was like supporting your friend, supporting supporting her friend. Well, she's by like watching. my friend asked me to come. Like oh, I'll go. You know, you know Lindsay should have should have taken your girls to go see Dumbledore. Yeah, because doesn't doesn't Lindsay love love the Harry? She Potter loves Harry Wizarding Potter world.
1: Do you mean Lindsay has written Harry Potter fan fiction? Yeah. That, Hi, that, Lindsay. That, that Hi,
0: Lindsay. Yeah, I just put you out on blast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's she is looking. I she mean, just <laughs> added me to the slap tour. She's like, you're back on with the slap. Tour essentially,
0: <laughs> essentially, Fantastic Beast is, is, is Harry fan Potter fan, fan fiction, fiction. Yeah, written by J.K. Rowling. That's right. She wrote
2: her own fan <laughs> fiction.